1: All right, welcome to September, everybody. Ten days from the season opener at Soldier Field against the San Francisco 49ers. A noon kickoff and a pleasant good evening to everyone. Back with you here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm up at Halas Hall. We're brought to you by IGS Energy, my broadcast partner from News Radio 105.9, Chicago Bear great Tom Thayer, nustled away there in Joliet. Uh, good to be back and good, good to be talking to opener, Tom, because I'll tell you, when you're in the thick of training camp, It seems like it's going to last forever, and you know you're going through the preseason. That wrap up uh, against uh, Cleveland, still you're still still ways away. Still got another week, but now the vision is there. You can see it. The roster's been uh, put together for at least the time being. Keep adding pieces, and now we're ready to go, Tommy. You know, Jeff. I sat there and I sit in front of the
2: flip card, and you study the names on the sheet in front of us for both the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears, and you kind of get a pretty good line on it because we've been going to practice every day. Have you ever heard the, to- the term revolving door roster? <laughs> yeah. Because that's what we're in, and I remember my last year in the USFL. We had so many bodies coming in and out of practice on a daily basis. They actually came onto the field during stretching, cut a guy to bring another <laughs> guy in, and now it's almost like... Like we, as excited as we were about what this team was able to accomplish, what the assistant coaches have provided, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, the excitement of what the future holds for these guys, you almost have to have that roster in front of you to start re-memorizing the names, the numbers, the positions of the guys that have come in. It's exciting. I still have the same confidence I did when I left Cleveland, but it's just there's a lot of new names. that are going to be on the roster for the San Francisco game.
1: All right. We we haven't seen some of these guys yet in uniform, so we're going to have to do our homework as well. A new addition today, again, undrafted uh, rookie from – not rookie, but from Minnesota. Uh, was from the University of Iowa, Amir Marcet-Smith. He had 103 and a touchdown against the Bears last season. Do you remember him? He twice had good games against the Bears last year. Overall production limited in terms of his targets and so forth, but another young player. And if you look at the ages of the guys Ryan Poles brought in in the, undra- or in the um, uh, claim market and the waiver market, they're all in that sweet spot, uh, little bit of experience, but young 25, 26, 24, 23 years old. This team right now, average age on the roster is just over 25 years old.
2: Right. You know, the NFL is a young man's game, and it's kind of just a level above college. And when you think of the names and the ages of some of these guys, there's going to be a few guys that are always going to be the foundation of a team. You got your Cody Whitehairs and Robert Quinns and stuff that have been able to – Solidify uh, NFL um, career that has put them in a position that they're the old, not the oldest guys on the team, the most experienced guys on the team. But this is something that we all have to get used to with the collective bargaining agreement and the way uh, teams and contracts are put together.
1: So that leads us to a couple days ago. Matt Eberflus really expounded on this young, young team, this idea that it's okay and almost needing to play young players. You can understand
2: uh, a coach that's like that, you know, He's a little bit gun shy. Wants to play with the more experienced guy because he's know what he's doing and all that. But to me, if you got the right guy, you know, and you have the right guys in there, and they're young, you have to play him. You have to because the experience they get in that first season is playing it's invaluable you know they're going to get learned so much ball by being out there and playing rather than sitting on the sideline and if they're good enough athletically and they're good enough players you just got to put them out there and they'll they'll figure it out eventually you know and then you just got to coach them up and coach them through the ups and downs of it and you know keep their confidence up but uh
0: i believe in that because what you do is you build a faster younger football team when you do that
1: And hopefully uh, guys that uh, are less injury prone, potentially, you know, they're going to be counted on the availability factor. So this sparked the conversation I had with you the other day, because you've always intrigued me with the notion that if you didn't think about it, you'd never know it. And you'd have to be back there and and involved with it. But the Bears, when you guys won the Super Bowl with the youngest team in the NFL that year. So I went back and looked at it. 27 uh, plus, something like that, whatever the averages are. So then I went deeper. And I shared with you, the Miami Dolphins had the youngest Super Bowl team ever at uh, just over 26 years of age in 1971. They didn't win that Super Bowl, but they went unbeaten and and won it in 72. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks, just a few years ago, building the way the Bears are building with young, fast, physical players and taking their time to build it the right way, built a winning culture, and then went to the Super Bowl as a young team, lost at 26-something average age, then the next year won the Super Bowl. You go down the list, and you got the old Pittsburgh Steelers teams, the Buffalo Bills teams that repeatedly went to the Super Bowl. There are some 30-plus teams, as you pointed out, George Allen, the Over-the-Hill gang, they wanted those guys, and they didn't care about draft picks. They wanted the older guys. There have been plenty of teams that won that way as well, but it's more of the... 28, 27, 26 average age football teams that eventually build into that, time.
2: Well, when you listen to what Matt Eber, Matt who says, he says he's, it's the right guy, Jeff. And so when you go look at those young rosters, go down and look at that rosters and look at the star quality players of the young men that you have on that team that ended up contributing to super playing in the Super Bowl or Super Bowl victories. The coaches on those staffs made the choices for the right guys, and I think that's what really stands out with me when I hear Matt Eberflus talk about developing a roster in the modern day NFL. You're not just going to put a guy in there because he was drafted in a certain position or he comes from this type of marketed school. It's the right guy, and when you think of a guy like Braxton Jones, yeah, would you think he might have a guy from one of the marquee schools around the country? You know, but this guy is the right guy for the position. And even when you listen to Ian Cunningham and Ryan Pohl speak at the podium today, they talk about how fast of a developer this guy was. They believed he could be a starter when they evaluated him, but even his development surprised them.
1: Right, and I think that idea that you're going to be able to get on the field and play right away if you're, if you're talented enough and you have the, the traits that they're seeking, the character that you're seeking, I'm thinking, again, I use this uh, analogy all the time, lobsters in a lobster pot. You know, you're trying to get on the field because you know you got a chance with these guys. And there are coaches that won't play young players, especially at specific positions. I mean, some teams, ju- some guys just won't put that trust in there. And, you know, I find this to be a refreshing moment for Chicago Bears fans. You're going to see a bunch of young guys with their hair on fire. And whatever they win, they win. Whatever the record may be. You know, right now, let's find the best guys to foundationally build a fast, physical, nasty football team. That's my opinion on it. Uh, Tommy, uh, before we go to break, I'll let you speak your mind here. Well, no, Jeff, you know, Jeff,
2: I want guys that want to play football. I don't want a guy that's going to be drafted by a team that's content with sitting around a couple of years waiting till the veteran in front of them moves on. I want a guy that's just chopping at the bit to get in that uniform and to be on a game day, you know, a, a game day participant. So to me, I think that's the most important role that any of these guys could desire to ha- to have on a football team is to be a player immediately. All
1: right, here's what's coming up on the show tonight. Uh, We do not have a player interview. We will be uh, sitting down with Ryan or I did earlier today up at Hallis Hall after his news conference with the media, so we'll have some of that coming up in uh, segment number three. And our good pal Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio, former Bears quarterback, will be joining us in just moments. We'll hear snippets uh, as well from a course of the interviews that we had this week. A lot ahead. Bears getting ready for their regular season opener can't wait. The season itself starts on September 8th next week. Bears get a three-day break after a short practice today. They'll be raring, ready to go. Bears coming up against the 49ers. This is Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, Jim Miller ahead on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com. Because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, and pleased to be joined by our good pal and uh, a regular during the course of the off season, I should say. But once the regular season starts, gets a little little odd. Uh, Harder to get a hold of because he's so busy, and uh, we got some players on, but Big Jim Miller, former Bears quarterback, did a great job in the preseason telecasts of the Kansas City and Cleveland games. Big Jim, how you doing? And uh, what did you glean from those two games? Because you did the work, you, you did the in-depth uh, study, and you called the game. What did you, what'd you learn about this team? Yeah, Jeff, Tom, I, I think, you know,
3: you could see it. You know, I think the uh, factor of what uh, players are being asked to do. And I think uh, Coach Eberflus has effectively gotten his messaging across. I mean, I saw a team that hustled. I saw a team that was more disciplined. Uh, yeah, I think you see a young team, uh, but you do see a much faster uh, team out there. I mean, l- let's be honest. A lot of young players are going to play this year for the Bears. You know, we even pointed it out on the on the broadcast of the 11 draft picks. Minim- you know, minimum I see nine guys. And then you factor in rookies like Jack Sanborn, who's an undrafted free agent who makes the Russia, the guy's going to be on all four core special teams plays. You know, Trenton Gill, we know Bayless Jones Jr., he's going to play. And so the list goes on and on, and it is. It's about a youth movement. It's about the growth and development of, of players, and we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, I think the the coach and the staff, they effectively have have reached these players of what their standard is because I saw a lot of hustle and a lot of discipline displayed by the Bears.
2: Hey, Jim, I got two questions for you. The role of Luke Getzey, the play caller, being on the field for Justin Fields. And then how long does that relationship take to develop in terms of, you know, the eye contact, the understanding what Justin does well, what Justin wants there to be called, and how Luke starts understanding his strengths of the specific game plan?
3: Yeah, you know, you know whether guys in the booth or on the field. I think the one benefit of a of the coach or the play caller being on the field is when you do go over the slides for the uh, the pictures on the sideline, and you say, hey, you know, maybe Justin says, "Well, I saw this. I saw the backer uh, back up. He was he was on the line of scrimmage, and then he backed off." You know that maybe sometimes you you can't communicate to it to a coach, and they'll be able to look through those things together. And then Luke can say, hey, here's what I'm thinking then. This is what they're doing on first and second down. This is what I'm seeing on third down. We may go to more of this, or we may go to, uh, to more bootleg game uh, to take advantage of some of the things that they're showing us. And just really be right there for Justin Fields to walk them along, to walk them through, hey, this next series, we're probably going to focus more on this. You know, whether it's a certain run game, we're going to try and set up these plays in the play-action game and just really kind of talk him through what he expects to to, to call. And so he'll be prepared as the game goes along, uh, just being there down on the field and
2: looking at the pictures with one another. You know, Jim, you think uh, when you look at last year's San Francisco game, is there anything that Justin or Luke can take from the way that they defensed Justin in that game? Or do you think it's a not necessarily a new scheme, but a new formula of how they want to go about their business against this specific type of offense?
3: Yeah, I mean, there could be certain things on passing downs where maybe they tried to do a mush rush uh, against Justin Fields, just knowing he's got the escapability of the legs. But I honestly think the Bears are – are going to be far different, you know, game planning wise, and how they attack San Francisco. I do expect the Bears to use utilize more 12 personnel, meaning two tight ends. I think that's going to be imperative because you got a young left tackle and Braxton Jones. And quite frankly, it, uh, you know, I just think that's that's the Bears' sweet spot. I, th- I thought in that final preseason game against Cleveland, that was kind of their home, you know, and that's why they p- performed so well. And, and Justin felt very good with the play-action stuff of it. Plus, you're, you still don't know right now, what is the three-wide package? Who does that entail? Is, is Pringle healthy? Is Velos Jones healthy? You know, the, the three-wide package has yet to really display itself for the Bears, and health is going to be a big part of it. Uh, but I think running the football in that 12-personnel package – really was a nice place for the Bears to be in that final preseason game.
1: Luke Getsy this week, the offensive coordinator, explaining this whole offensive plan remains a step-by-step
0: process. When, when we got here in April, we had this very well-thought-out plan of how we wanted to go this process to look. And we're going to stay committed to that process. I don't think we're going to... This isn't like an elevation to a moment. This is part of the process. This is the stepping stone of, you know, our goal was to get better and, and, and to... And to You know apply pressure to our team on our own and the way that we installed it the way that we or the way that we implemented the offense the way that we installed it the way we came to training camp the way that we performed in preseason this is all these are all the next steps these are all steps to where we want to be um and so this next game again we're not we're, we're we're still pedal to the metal and we're still challenging these guys every day uh both mentally and physically to play the play style that we want to
1: play and that play style is going to be just like it is for special teams and defense attack mode mental focus jim no penalties you know they did a nice job of the preseason uh those kind of penalties pre-snap penalties are aggravating to any coach but i, I get the impression and 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 i don't know if you've talked to getsy prior to him coming to the bears but just listening to him talk i mean, it's a no nonsense nonsense guy I think he likes to have fun on the field, too, but he holds everybody accountable here. He wants what he wants, and he's got it all drawn up the way he wants it, and I, I like his tough edge. He's not ready to all throw bouquets to everybody, either. He's just holding everybody accountable because there is a long way to go. they got to figure a lot of things out mm-hmm. offensively. Well,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, you I heard you two talking about this team, and, you know, and Jeff, you brought up, obviously, Tom's World Championship team, and there's a big difference there. You know, the team that that, that that Tom played on, look at the guys alone that just defy the X's and O's. You know, right. you got Richard Dent, you got single pair. I mean, we can get, there's, yeah.
1: oh, you Jim, can get into the hey, double digits. Jim, I'm not saying this team is that. No, you, you're yeah. you misinterpreting what I'm saying. All I'm so, saying is it's a starting point to be this kind of team, What you're trying to build from the foundation. And maybe in a couple years – some of these guys develop who knows what they're going to be able to add yeah, next year. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying yeah. it's better to do this than have a bunch of guys that are not going to be here when they are competing for a Super Bowl. Yeah, cuz I I do.
3: I think this whole year is about and we've been pretty consistent talking about this on Bears all yeah. no access. They're not done. The roster is going to continue to turn. You know, here everybody's talking about Alex Leatherwood. Here's a former first round pick. Now he's got a shot here with the Bears. We'll see where it goes but it's about the growth and development of, of young players. And uh, I, I think, it, again, it's got to start somewhere, and it's got to build. And if all things are equal, typically you're going to play the younger player. And with their style of football, what the Bears want to play, they're going to go and they're they're willing to accept these growing pains with these young players. And like you said, maybe there are some diamonds in the rough because you've already seen some some flashes from some players that look pretty positive. Whether it's Bayless Jones Jr., I I know it was a small sample size, but that was a nice punt return out there in in Seattle. You know, young players like Sanborn, who's undrafted, he's out there um, making plays, and we'll see what the rest of these young players do, and as Coach said, you're going to coach them up, they're going to play fast, they know what the standard is, and they're going to fly around and play some football. Like you said, the foundation has to be built. It's got to be built somewhere, and it's got to be built with these young players and how quickly – They grow and develop.
2: You know, Jim, when you talk about a foundation, let's talk about the offensive side of the ball, because there could be guys that might have some reps from the receiver position or whatsoever that haven't had any reps so far in the preseason with the Bears. And when you talk about Luke Getze in an offensive coordinator trying to build a foundation... Man, it, it, you're going to have to be doing it on a fly. And some of these guys, even though they have a couple days off, they have might have to be up at that facility every day going through meetings to just get semi-caught up to speed so they can get a handful of plays in their hip pocket if they're not contributing on special teams or those types of phases.
3: I totally agree. Because, again, I, I, I think it's pretty clear. There are no sacred cows. You know, other than Justin Fields and Jalen Johnson and quinn and and probably roquan uh there's just a handful of guys that again if 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 guys aren't in the building and taking the time to ensure that their spot on that roster is going to be there because when their name and their number is called and they can't perform, there could be somebody else coming to coming in there the following week that will take the extra time to to get it done. I think it is that volatile of of a roster where they're going to continue to uh, to turn it. And like you said, right now, there's, and that's why I say that about the three wides package, because the receiving position has been so banged up uh, with Pringle and Bayless Jones hasn't been in there. It's still been undecided. So that's something that's going to develop and, and grow and, and really show itself as the season goes along. And you would like to think the younger player in Bayless Jones Jr. is going to continue to grow and develop and hopefully Earn one of those roles to be a starting receiver by the end of the season. Uh, I would think we already know we can kick and punt return, uh, but with his role increases at receiver, then maybe Tristan Ebner now goes back to do the kick return. Now that Valus Jones' responsibilities have changed, um, so we'll see how it all shakes out. But it, again, it's got to start somewhere, and the Bears are willing to to go through this challenge.
1: Really like the body type of Ailis Jones too, because he's got the speed, obviously thick thick guy, uh, just getting a chance to meet him for the first time. Uh, this is not uh, some 190-pound skinny receiver running fast routes out there. This, he's got some meat on the bone uh, to break tackles and hopefully be a slippery uh, receiver with the ball in his hands. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we're going to hear from Ryan Poles. Interview I did with him today up here at Hallis Hall. We'll talk to the general manager. This is Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller. This is Jeff Joniak on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 to score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Earlier this afternoon up at Halisaw Hall after his news conference to the media, along with assistant GME in Cunningham, Bears general manager Ryan Pohl sat down for a conversation about where things are headed.
4: Just the ability to adapt and adjust. Um things constantly change and move. You can have plans, but oftentimes that's not what's gonna play out. So I think just always staying on our toes, always staying on our toes as a front office and being able to maneuver and adjust and continue to grow our roster. Um, The other piece is, you know, it's trusting the people around us. You know, I have a great staff with Ian, uh, Jeff King, Trey Kozio, and just leaning on each other to build this roster the best we can.
1: Did you guys approach this almost like draft weekend?
4: Yeah. Yep. That's that was the that's something I learned back um, from my past. You know, we see this as an opportunity to, you know, improve our roster and we stay active in the preseason film. We grind the tape. Uh, Like I said before, there was very little sleep uh, (laughs) going on. We were in the in the in the draft room. And we just were buzzing every game. We were flashing guys. We had a board that we went off of based on value. It's very similar. And we executed it really well. In and my and some really good ages on these guys, too, yeah. to, to yep. fit what you're trying to
1: do here, right? Was that important?
4: It was very important. Just, you know, young talent that can be developed and, and help us over a long period of time.
1: All right, I'm going to say this delicately because you know what it's like to be cut. Yes. So now that you're in the position of cutting, how yep. did that work for you
4: now that you're doing it? That was something I was exposed to, you know, in years prior. Um, but when you have a whole class and you kind of look at those guys as yours, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult conversation. I always have been empathetic in that moment because I've been there and I understand what it means. Um, and I think the other thing is just to give real feedback to the guys and, and be honest and upfront. Um, I think they appreciate that. Yeah. Did you get
1: some interesting responses without getting into specifics? Yeah. There
4: there was guys that just want to know where they stand and where they could get better. And and giving them that feedback goes a long ways.
1: All right. You had some really high praise from Matt Eberflus. Yeah. And you're going to smile because, I mean, you said you love that dude. Yeah.
4: Tell us why. It's leadership. It's leadership. I got asked that question a lot. Why did you pick Matt Eberflus? And my first response, most of the time, if not every time, was his leadership skills. It's how can you be demanding but have empathy with your players at the same time? And you can feel the buy-in. You can feel the energy. It's authentic. It's real. And I know all of our players feel that. And I, that's what you want to play for. That's what you want to work with. And and that's him to a T. So I've been really, really happy with him. I
1: think that word authentic is the critical piece because yeah. coaches can come in here with a lot of different phraseology and rah-rah and whatever, yeah. but you are so on point with
4: that it just you can
1: feel it in the building the players are just coming back to you saying these same things Mm -hmm. was that important for you to hear it from the players too
4: yeah it is important and you know you you read these interviews you watch these interviews and the players talk about Matt and it makes you smile because you know that you have a good leader in place and you know we're ready to kick this the season off I'm not sure you get into specifics about who's left from the past or not,
1: but there's only 19, and I think three or four on the practice squad. So mm-hmm. that is a mighty big turnover. It speaks to the overall plan yeah. uh, to A, find the exact bare player you want to identify for the future, Right. but also, again, in that certain age category. Uh, yep. How did that work out in the end for you, do you believe?
4: Yeah, I think it works out. It worked out really well. There's um, core players on this team. You know, when I walked in the door, uh, that we're still excited about, and they're going to help us win games for a long, long time. And then, you know, part of the challenge is is building the rest of the roster. And we attacked it on many different levels for agency, the draft, and then the uh, waiver wire here at the cutdown day. And I think we did a good job. Two great storylines among many this yep. camp, and they're on the offensive line.
1: Let's start with your fifth round pick out of Southern Utah, yeah. Braxton Jones.
4: Yeah, Braxton just continues to uh, develop and grow. And he hasn't, sometimes with with young players, you're waiting for the moment where it looks a little bit too big right now. And he continues to just blow through those gates and, and prove that he can handle that position. Um, when the lights come on in preseason games, when the pads come on versus vets like Robert Quinn, and he shows resilience to keep fighting, to have a short memory and and just keep going. So his development has been outstanding and I love seeing that, that you get excited you look at your buddy and you're like Are you, did you just see that rep you know that braxton had and then you see it day after day after day and he's coming along so i'm excited about him
1: he's authentic too in yeah. my
4: opinion he gets up there at the podium he tells you everything he's done
1: wrong yeah
4: then he needs to work on no that's a good point i brought him in my office just uh probably a week ago and i i wanted to make sure i said nothing's going to be given to you past this but i hope you take a moment to at least pat yourself on the back a little bit because what you're doing is is really really good and you continue to perform so just take the moment to one be proud of yourself be happy with yourself you're, and continue to work continue to get better don't settle but be proud of the progress that you've made in a, in a short time and if i think even from for him hearing that i was proud of him went a long ways and we all are so You know, I think he's going to keep working, keep running and become a really good player for us. I would assume the
1: same conversation could be had with your right guard right now, Tevin Jenkins.
4: Yeah. Yep. We moved, you know, Tevin around and, you know, the beginning of his career, you know, was a little bit choppy, but he keeps coming back and and he keeps fighting. I think the thing that I'm proud of him is he, he got to the guard spot and he just went and he went hard. When you watch the tape, the thing that makes all of us excited about Tevin is his finish and his strain. And, and when you have that, that's contagious for the whole fi- the whole group of five to, to play in that similar fashion.
1: All right, big picture heading into this season uh, with your own roster, a ton of salary cap space, first round pick, uh, still a whole season to play, but this doesn't all come together overnight. How excited mm-hmm. are you for the future of this franchise?
4: I'll start with just the season. I'm excited to see these guys perform. Um, I talked about it before, but just be resilient in in moments of adversity. I just want this group to stay tight all the way through this season and and just continue to get better. And then for the future, we'll keep doing what we do, which is add talent, you know, and and, and get better in in every way that we can. You know, we're going to hit the road. Ian and I are going to go to uh, Colorado (laughs) and and watch a game there, go to Georgia, go to Louisiana, and we're going to start the process of you know, getting ready for the draft and for agency for for next year.
1: Uh, are you the type of guy that wants to be in these stadiums to see guys with yeah. your own eyes all yep. year? Yep. So you're to have a
4: lot of frequent flyer miles. Piled up. <laughs> yeah, and I got that advice. You know, um, I had a, a a really experienced and very talented uh, former GM asked me, like, do you plan on hitting the road and, and getting out there still when you're a general manager? And I said, absolutely. And he said, yeah, don't ever lose that. Uh, you got to get your eyes on these guys you got to walk up on them you got to ask questions and and get to know them so um that's the plan all right matt kept telling
1: players hardest thing they're ever going to do yeah you said it again this week at the podium for the new guys coming in hardest (laughs) thing they're ever going to have to do uh how did they overall accept the challenge and do you assume now that the foundation is set for that anybody coming in here is going to have to because that locker room will hold them accountable as well
4: yeah yeah i think the standard that he talked about on how we're going to practice how we're going to play the toughness that we need to have you know finish he's always talking finish every video if you stand next to practice constantly about finishing so that's the expectation now for anyone that comes in is we're going to finish we're going to play hard we're going to play fast and you know i think the group has done a really good job you know adapting to that because it's not easy and i think through that and matt's talked about this there's a there's a mental toughness that comes along with it when you're tired can you still perform can you still think can you make calls and communicate so Um, that has affected our culture for sure.
1: You'd always like it to be the case, but all 11 rookies are still here. Doug Kramer, unfortunately, on injured reserve, and then some undrafted guys as well. Yeah. Um, That also speaks hitting the ground running Mm -hmm. to find these guys, make some moves on draft day, and now look what you got on your roster uh, building the future of what you want to see in Bears. How, How promising is that for you and that your scouts and your personnel department and your coaches all are on the same page to net that kind of outcome
4: yeah it speaks volumes about everyone across the board it's about the the front office the scouts that we have in the building it's about the process and the time put into it where we can have hard conversations and and we can get to the truth and make good decisions and that's why we do what we do um, and then the, the coaches We've talked about this at length they're teachers when when they bring a a, we bring a player in they take that as a challenge to teach them and maximize their abilities and we're seeing that with this first group
1: expectations for justin
4: yeah in terms of what he's showing you now
1: stair-stepping where he's at
4: how optimistic are you i'm very optimistic i love what i've seen from start to finish he's coming along and you can see things happening faster you can see the poise and control that he has you can see the athletic ability that he has and that paired with how Luke you know, and his offense is going to be, I think Justin's going to be really, really good, and and we'll see it play out. Um, I know he's tough. I know he's resilient. I know he's smart. We've learned all that, so I'm excited for him, and we'll continue to keep growing around him and get better.
1: That's Bears general manager Ryan Poles, Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Uh, fellas have at it. Uh, you heard the press conference. Now you heard that. Uh, I think a little bit of a sense of relief to get to the 53 and now you just cherry pick throughout the course of the season where you need bodies, where you fill in with injuries overall. What'd you think, Tom? And then Jim jump right in. You know,
2: Jeff, When you hear Ryan Poles talk and you hear him talk about the cuts, it's almost like he sees a little bit of himself in Braxton Jones. When you look at the template of Ryan Poles, he's that similar size, a tall offensive tackle. No matter what happens to us throughout our career, we always have the desire to play. And I was cut, and I know what it's like to go through that. So... I like everything Ryan Poles has said. I like what uh, how Ian uh, Cunningham has complimented up him up at the podium. And so now what they said, it's got to take action on the field. And the way he concluded the last question to you is he's excited to see what happens next Sunday, just like all of us is, ex-Bears or Bears fans.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's pretty evident, as, as we've touched on this whole program, they're going to play a lot of these younger players. And so, again, I I don't think Bears fans out there can just, you know, there's going to be growing pains, you know, but you need to see these players say at different increments of the season, whether it's the end of the first quarter, at the end of four games, where is Fields from week one to week four? Where is Fields from week four to week eight? You know, so there's going to be a process as this goes along throughout the entire year. And part of it is going to be the, the guys around Justin Fields and and these young players are going to be thrown into the fire and they're going to have to adapt and adjust uh, pretty quickly. And then I think the coaches will continue to add uh, more things. You know, that's another reason why I probably said, you know, early, say against the San Francisco 49ers, when you've got Nick Bosa and you've got Eric Armstead on each side, maybe that's a good two tight end set game. Because I would think I wouldn't want to throw uh, Braxton Jones to the Wolves. And not just yet, you know, he's going to be facing a pretty good pass rusher. So they're going to do some things to subtly help these young players as they grow along. But where it started, you can see it's a a disciplined team. They play extremely fast. I think they play hard. They've got more speed. And I love the way Justin Fields ended the preseason against the Cleveland Browns. It got the offense feeling good. They they score on uh, the drives that they were out there so that they're building something. And it's really the build-up to, to Sunday is what they're trying to do, and they're going to try and do that every single week with these young players. It's going to be critical all season long.
1: All right, guys, we're going to take a break. Great seats available here, Chicago Bears this season at Soldier Field. Get your tickets at ChicagoBears.com slash tickets. More ahead with our producer, Adam Stadzinski. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy. Back with more in a moment. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW, people who get it. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller from Sirius XM, NFL Radio, moving the chains. Hey, let's go by positions here, fellas. Let's, let's take a look at some things. Jim, let's start with you. We, we, we could talk all day long, obviously, about Justin Fields. We've been talking position by position over the course of this entire offseason, but now we know pretty much what we got. So let, let's talk offense, and I want to begin with the tight end position because I personally think that Cole Komet's ready for a big one. Now, he's got to block, too. There's got to be this blocking component. Mm-hmm. In fact, everybody, Jim, has got to block on this team. I'm going in that direction. Let's break down the tight end position. I'm going to give time to the offensive line, but let's go tight end running back here, Jim. Take it away.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, they picked up a big-time blocking tight end in that Trayvon Wesco. Uh, from the New York Jets. That guy is essentially a, a six tackle, is what he is. And so that's kind of what he was at, at West Virginia, and I think it'll it'll definitely help. And it just tells you the Bears are going to stay in that sweet spot of running the football. Okay, Cole Komet is, is, I think, can do it in all three phases. In line, they can split him out. He can do certain things. I expect his Im- impact for the Bears to to make another big jump. You know, he got up to 60 receptions last year. He needs to be a red zone threat. And I believe he will be factored in with how, like the Green Bay Packers use Robert Tanyan. I think Cole Comet is more than capable to fill in that type of effort at the tight end spot. And then I think Griffin. I think Griffin's a solid guy. He's a nine-year pro, uh, similar to how he was utilized with the Jets. I think the uh, the Bears are set there. And they, they've got tight ends that can help out young tackles. I think the Bears are going to run a lot more 12 and 13 personnel than anybody realizes, uh, because Green Bay did it a season ago, and I think Luke Getse has the same plan in store for the Chicago Bears.
2: You know, for me, when I look at the offensive line, obviously you have to go with the guys that have gelled the most throughout this process of training camp. And when you have Braxton and you have Cody, you have Sam at center, Tevin at right guard, and Larry Borm at right tackle, you have that group that has enough reps that you get an indication of how well that they can play and kind of mature together. The key ingredient here to me is is where is Lucas Patrick? If he's the type of guy that can come in and contribute as an interior uh, uh, while his thumb is still healing up. He might be the type of guy that could be active during the beginning of the regular season and be a, a legitimate backup at all three positions on the interior. Or if his, he, if his thumb's not healed up enough, he could be a legitimate backup at both right guard and left guard. So Lucas Patrick is an interesting cog in the whole game day roster and then you're going to have to figure out who is the best fit for to be the backup tackle right now is it Riley Reef? is he going to come along where he can uh, back up both tackles but I think when you have the five guys that have had the most reps together uh, Chris Morgan the offensive line coach who I think has done a fantastic job he's got a good line right now put together
1: all right. Now, Darnell Mooney, as we look at the receiver position this week, you know, in that preseason finale, Jim and Tom, 14 different players caught the football, and that was impressive, and that Fields wants the whole offense to touch the ball.
5: Uh, that means you have to cover everybody. You can't eye on anybody. I mean, somebody's maybe having a good game the week before, and you feel like you got to eye on that guy, and then there's another guy that, that shows. So got to make sure you have eyes on everybody, especially – that should be around the lead, Everybody's like we don't have anybody. We don't have anybody for Justin to throw to or or whatnot, but um Then you're just gonna have to pick pick somebody Pick somebody to you know close up and then somebody else is gonna go off And so it's your choice who you want to defend So if you choose to, to cover that guy if this guy destroys you then you got to go back and deal with that. So uh, Like I said uh, before we have a lot of elite players not a lot of known name guys, but uh, not there's always guys that don't have names uh, when they first get in the lead or or when they're trying to progress and grow. So, And they, they make a name for themselves. So we've got a lot of guys that uh, you know can play very, very well, and they're going to make names for themselves as, as well, including me.
1: <laughs> and they he, he's got the confidence. I like that confidence. Another guy I, I like, and I, I can't wait to see what else uh, can be done here uh, in terms of getting him involved and having a, a second crack at a, an opportunity, Jim, is Dante Pettis. And even as a punt returner, smooth with the hands, uh, he has had that baseball background that's helped him considerably in that regard. But, again, I'm not ruling anybody out here. And, again, Ryan talked about this today because he was asked about, you know, the the perspective from the national folks and even here in town that did he do enough to help Justin Fields surround him? And that is a fair question, but he also wasn't going to just blow it out to sacrifice the overall future of this football team. And I think right. that there's plenty of guys there that they're going to be able to, to mold into players.
0: Well,
3: there's, there's guys that have played right. Byron Pringle is considered an ascending player with what he's done in Kansas city, Darnell Mooney. I think we all would consider him an ascending player with what he's done the first couple of years. Dante Pettis was a good player when San Francisco had him. His issue has been injury. It's not his lack of ability you know, his his injury, not only with San Francisco, but it, last year with the Giants, he, he got hurt. Bayless Jones, we'll see where it goes. Uh, St. Quantumus uh, or Equanimus St. Brown, he kind of fell out of favor uh, for Green Bay, but his asset is knowing the offense and how he could help the room out overall. That was his greatest asset here the, this offseason. This is no different than when I started with, uh, you know, with Marty Booker and and the young players, David Terrell, and the guys that we we had there, and even Marcus Robinson. All right, I I didn't care about you know the the play calls or anything like that. Though the defense will decide whether guys get open. I used to go down uh, before we went to snack or anything like that, and I would always open up the wide receiver door, and I just say to the guys, and it became a running joke. If you get open, you get the rock. I don't want to hear anybody crying at me about, oh, I was open on that play because coverage is going to dictate where I go with football. And I'm going to read the coverage correctly to get it to the right guy every single time. And the more they saw that unfold, the more they knew they were always alive. They were always alive on every route. And depending on the coverage, they knew as soon as they came out of their stance, that ball's coming my way because Jim's going to get it to to where the ball needs to go. Now it's my job to get open. So no player is ever dead on any single play. So Des White, Marty understood it, Uh, Marcus Robinson understood it, Bobby Ingram understood it, and all those guys got open. When it was their time against that coverage, they got open, and that ball was headed their way every single time.
1: I like it, Jim. I like it. All right, we're going to talk defense. You willing to stick around for one more or you got to go? Yeah, no, I'm I'm sticking around, man. All Dude, right,
3: all day sucker. I'm
1: like <laughs> Peterson, Jeff. Let's go. <laughs> we'll talk defense in our final segment as we get you set for the opener. Bears all access brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. Calling all Bears fans, get the ultimate VIP fan package with Chicago Bears VIP secure game ticket and appearance from Bears legends and more by visiting Chicago Bears VIP dot com. Two guys that are in that category. Tom there, Jim Metter with me, former offensive lineman and quarterback. We're going to break down the Bears' defense here before we let you guys go for the night and get you set for a long weekend. Hope you have good plans, Jim. You're not going to be tied up uh, just working all the time. Got to, got to have some fun here. Got to get ready because it's a grind. Yes. Labor Day weekend, brother. This, that's, after this weekend, that's when it really starts, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. yeah, I'll, I'll take some All All right, he's, absolutely. He's got
2: 11 kids. He's got no time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, listen, you know, I, I don't know if Tom Care. Am I allowed to say what happened over the weekend? Sure. Okay, so Tom had complained of a stomach ache, and I was I was calling him soft. I, I, I yeah. said, "Come on, knock it off, ready? Okay, maybe he ate too many pistachios or something. I don't know, but I per- consider continue, continue, continue. I call him Sunday night. Hey, how you feeling? He goes, "I'm in the hospital," so he had his appendix <laughs> out. His appendix was Uh-oh. on the verge of blowing up. So he, I, I go. So first thing I thought of was. Olin missed one game in 2002 with Appenix, so he better not miss a day of work because two days later we had to tape a TV show. So he showed up dutifully. He's here right now feeling a whole lot better. So he gutted out that whole trip to Cleveland. I give him a pat on the back, Jim. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, talk about all day suckers,
3: man. I mean he he doesn't he doesn't need any time off. He's right back in there in the lineup. So I I knew Tom was tough, but that just kinda of proves it right there.
1: Yeah, all I know Tom, if it were me, you would have been calling me so many names I can't even I can't hey, even right now. You just
2: I'm not listen, I'm not giving up my reps to anybody
1: <laughs> for, for any reason. All right, let's talk defense here. Uh we gotta do this quick. We got about four minutes, so uh, Tom let's start at the at the defensive front you got you're you're a blocker by trade how how are you dealing with this front
2: uh, you know Quinn and al Muhammad on the ends you got Jones at the 3 technique and Angelo Blackson on the nose i think this is a really good defensive line i think the instincts of al Muhammad is is good as any defensive end as I see the speed and the rushing ability and Quinn we know what he can provide Jones is just have, has to have that determination of a three technique inside defensive player and I think Angelo Blackson has about as good as innate instincts as a big man in the defensive front as you can have so I think they'll be super complimentary to the linebacker position and the addition
1: of Armando Watts who was uh, looking like a starter in Minnesota 3-4 there though so he's backing up 4-3 that's somebody to keep an eye on Jim I'm giving you the linebackers roquant smith first feels he'll flourish in this defense
4: oh man i flourish in any defense uh it don't matter you know you just line me up and tell me a play and i'm there oh it's, it's definitely sweet allows you to play in space more and i feel like that's uh one of my biggest attributes playing in space uh vision uh didn't get to do a lot of that in the past but being able to do that now i think it's going to be good and i think it's going to pay, pay pay dividends for me
1: big jim how do you look at the group yeah, I think,
4: uh, well,
3: Marl can, uh he can run, too, now. Uh, he plays with great effort. Roquan, I think he's going to settle in very nicely at the weak side linebacker position. We even talked about this when Iberflus, uh was hired as the head coach. and I said, hey, man, maybe Roquan will be moved over to the weak side backer. That's who he is. He's a run-and-hit guy, so he'll be a heat-sinking missile and look for his tackles to be every bit of 148 that he got a season to go. And then you've got guys that have been in the system. Obviously, Matt Adams before and Jack Sanborn is going to be coming along uh, underneath them there. Uh, but I think that's a good group of linebackers. And uh, the Bears have the speed now. I think Nicholas and, and with Roquan, these guys will be able to fly to the football. But essentially, Roquan, he's the new Lance Briggs. That's, that's who he needs to be in this Bears defense.
1: And that's uh, a lot of plays are going to get funneled to him. There is no question about that. That's been said many times. Uh, where the belief in this defense starts from Allen Williams, the defensive coordinator. He was uh, very uh, thorough in his analysis today.
4: I think that uh, this defense is opportunistic. We're gelling together as a as a unit, as a team. And when you have a group of guys that have a purpose that's bigger than themselves and they believe in that purpose, you know, we one of the things we like to say is... Um, uh, we want volunteers, not hostages. We yeah. want guys that want to be here. We want guys that, um, that believe in what we're doing. And
1: they do believe. I feel they got a little bit of swagger. So let's go into the secondary. Uh, I'll take that with Jalen Johnson. He's on the verge of, of something great, in my opinion. Kindle Vildor and then Kyler Gordon, fellas. Uh, they rave about his athleticism. They rave about his balance. His feet, his ability to get to the football has been thorough. He's just got to stay healthy. And then the Bears are 10-0 when Eddie Jackson swipes a football in his career 10 and oh so he hasn't had one in 31 games i think it's going to be a nice year for eddie i think and the ball's going and, to be bouncing around
2: and you already have a brisker jersey so you don't need to hash over about him
1: i have a brisker jersey. yes
2: you've been on <laughs> you from the moment they drafted him you've been on jaquan brisker and i see you in that jersey and i know you'll wear it proudly on the
1: eleven. <laughs> he's being facetious i definitely have not purchased that jersey but I get it. You know I love safeties. And what else do I love? I love the corner blitz, as we know. We'll end the show on that. So I'm expecting Carla Gordon to get some corner blitzes this year from playing inside nickel, whoever else plays that position. Jim, thanks so much. Appreciate you coming on, buddy. Thank you, Jim. It's always fun to be with you guys. Jim Miller, Tom Thayer. Thanks to Adam Stadzinski, and our other producers, Dan Barilli and Jordan Treadup. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Talk to you next week. Good night, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes, or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.